Robbie Knox here, landlord of the Moon Underwater, and I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. Have you ever found yourself listening along to the podcast thinking, hmm, I wish I could experience this with my own eyes in the real world? Well, you're in luck, because very soon the Moon Underwater will be returning to the other realm for a special live show. As it's such a special occasion, we thought we'd invite an equally special guest along. Joining us on the night to create their dream pub is the Edinburgh Comedy Award-winning comedian Ahir Shah. It's taking place on Sunday the 7th of April at Moth Club in London. Tickets are on general sale now. Search Moon Under Pod on socials, head to our page and click the link in the bio to get your tickets. We look forward to seeing you there. Shimmer on the glistening waters Past the pump house With the lock keeper's swain in tow Oh, how the willows dip their fingers Into the flickering fluid thus Before the king's arms Opposite the bell Moor thyself with a carrick bend Anchor the vessel of your mind And enter the moon underwater. I can barely hear myself think. Oh, oh no, what's going the, on, John? The sounds of the heavens this evening around the moon underwater. It's Really? Yes, it's the clashing of the celestial symbols. Oh, yes, there's some real thudding going on. Yeah, and what I can only really describe as cloud rifts. <laughs> yes, and if I'm not mistaken, John, it looks like you're wearing a mask. Oh, well, this is to protect myself against uh, an awful lot of the um, the interference you get from the cloud rifts. And, and it's, your mask is shaped like a, a, a pint of Theakstons. Yes, I'm wearing my <laughs> Theakstons mask uh, today uh, in order to fully, well, A, protect myself from the cloud rifts um, because they break out in, in cords that really batter the roofs. But uh, also, it, because it is a pint of Theakstons, I can just tilt my head back to drink from the mask without having to use my hands. Um, but I, I'm wondering if the skies here around the moon underwater are harbouring our guest, Robin. Could be. Could be. Did you see that flash? Yeah, that f- I did. flash of enormous drums uh, f- coming down through the Atmos. And there he is, yes, coming in through the door of the moon underwater. I was right to say that the clouds were harbouring him uh, because it's Corey Taylor from Slipknot. (laughs) Oh, my... I have to tell you, the picture you paint is extravagant and visceral all at the same time. I'm so appreciative. I don't think I've ever had an introduction like that before. That's, That's pretty... It's pretty spot on. I like it. <laughs> Visceral is a very good word to describe uh, the effect you've had in the realm uh, we're in, Corey. Uh, first off, I want to say thank you for taking some time to come to the correct realm, because it in the other realm, you're somewhere between Estonia and Poland on tour. 
Yes, indeed. Uh, it's, you know, obviously, and, and because of that, the Wi-Fi is a bit sketchy, and we're trying to, we're doing our best to maintain a, uh, a nominal tone across this issue. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I'm, this was something that we were actually supposed to do a while back. So I'm glad that I actually get to do it today. Thank you for having me in the pub. You're, well, you're welcome. And it wasn't a problem that you couldn't make it last time because Robin and I just got absolutely lashed on our own uh, here <laughs> in the moon underwater. So that's always a good, like a good second best. Oh, there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> so how is um, how's the tour going? The, I mean, the tour has been great. Uh, the tour uh, we started oh just uh, just over three and a half weeks ago, and I mean it's been it's I mean it's just just been gagged every night. I mean it's crazy. We just played Gdansk in, in Poland last night, and it was oh god, it was probably fifteen thousand people. I mean it was. It was a proper gig. Were they Gdanskying in the aisles? They were, yes. They were uh, Gdanskying in the in their seats and Gdanskying on the Gdansk floor. It was uh, there was panic on the Gdansk floor. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So has, has this been the first tour, kind of post pandemic? Then for, it's for our you guys. first European po- uh, tour post pandemic. We've toured the states. God, three four times now, which is like, I mean, guys, we've been here. Let's get the hell out of Dodge, you know? So this was one of those tours we were really, really looking forward to. We've missed playing here. God, it's just been, and the response, I mean, from day one, it was just, it was just out of control. I mean, the first show was in Bucharest and I mean, they were shaking the ground and we were just like, well, okay, they obviously missed us. This is this is a good reaction. It's a good problem to have. So, yeah, it's been it's, it's been so satisfying, man. Thank you. So, Corey, your your body is in uh, Poland. Your mind is obviously here in the moon underwater, but your heart is very much in Britain. Um, and I just want to read to you something you said uh, in an interview uh, about the UK. You said to your British friends, my friends. Let me just say that whenever you feel down or fucked, and whenever you feel like the whole world is getting ready to bend you over the washer out back and give you a buggering, <laughs> just remember that you've got a huge fan in Corey fucking Taylor. Lovely words. Well, you know, I mean... I, I was actually found that quite moving. It's very... I was going to say, I mean, it paints... It's a very vivid picture, uh, and it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously known for my poetry. <laughs> it's visceral. <laughs> It is very visceral. I feel like today's word is visceral because it's uh, the and in describing the viscera that's all over the walls now, and it's it's fucking insane. Yeah. <laughs> so when did your love affair with the UK begin? Do you remember the first time you came over? Oh man, well, uh, vividly. Yeah, it was uh, 1999. Um, or no, no, I take that back. I was actually there in 1997. I actually. Uh, celebrated my birthday there in 1997. I was over there recording a song with a very good friend of mine, Stella, who uh, is best known as the uh, the founder and, and uh, singer for a band called Sister Soleil. And we weren't even so we weren't even signed at the time. We were just we were unknown. We were still underground, and we had a mutual friend in our manager at the time, Sophia John. 
and Stella, we had actually done shows together with, uh, with Stella. And when she got signed and she was making her debut, you know, you know, major label record, she asked if I wanted to join her on a song. So my little happy Iowa ass jumped on a plane and flew over there. And for the first time, it, not only had I never been on a plane before, but I had never, you know, I'd never been to, you know, to the continent or the UK before. And uh, I spent four days in Bath. In Bath, nice. Oh yeah, yeah. And but this is in winter, so it wasn't nearly as summery and nice as it could be. But I was still just transfixed. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, the just the way, and we were kind of outside of town. This was in. Peter Gabriel's old studio, and maybe he still has it. Um, oh, in Box, Box Studios. Yes, yes. Yeah, real world. Yeah, oh, it's yeah, beautiful. Yeah. And we were there, uh, like I said, for about, I was about there for three or four days. Had the worst jet lag of my life, so I didn't really get to see anybody until the last day. I spent my birthday by myself in a bed while everybody was sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> I went downstairs. I went downstairs and stuck a cigarette and a piece of bread. And I was like, "Happy birthday to me!" <laughs> but it was, uh, but it was beautiful, man. Like I, I walked around like by myself, basically, because I'd be up at the you know the the crack of dawn and I'd walk around a little bit and check it out. And in the winter, the fog across like the the old like uh, the old um, walls, like the, you know the hip, you know about four foot high walls and stuff, and because it's because it used to be the vacation spot for the Royals, didn't it? So I would walk around and I would just be like, oh, this is, I mean, it was it was a dream come true for me, man. And, and from that second, I mean, it goes even further back than that, though. Because, I mean, I grew up with English literature, uh, English humor, English. I mean, I was just, a, I was an Anglophile from, from the time that I was, you know, very, very young. So to be able to come there. And, and have that kind of moment actually by myself, too, not ruined by friends and stuff like that. It was, it was pretty rad, man. So obviously you will have been familiar with the, the role that the pub plays in British culture through an awful lot of those early influences. And Bath is a great pub city. But you haven't had a drink since 2006. So what's, what's your sort of... Uh, 2010, actually, because I, I started drinking 2010. again. 2010. Yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah, yeah, two, yeah, but 12 years, 12 years. But I have a very vivid memory of, of all of it, so this will be easy. Right, well, that's good. <laughs> that's unusual. <laughs> like, since you stopped drinking, are bars and pubs a bit of a sort of weird place for you? What's your relationship like with them? Do you, do you avoid them or do you have tactics for sort of getting through nights out and stuff? I mean, it's, you know, the first few years is weird, you know, because you realize quickly how much a part of your personality booze has become. And uh, you kind of have to sort out who you are, um, what you're comfortable with, um, and the, largely just the habit of it, you know. Um, and I was never a I was never a big beer drinker, so you know, like non-alcoholic brews, just you know that that wasn't the key. So I just kind of, you know, I started with sodas and then just kind of went to water, you know. And now that's that's just what I do. Is I and to me, going out and hanging out in a pub or a bar or whatever is more about the company you keep, you know. And you realize at some point the golden moment is going to go away. So you try to time your departure right around that time where you're just like, oh, 
okay, we got about 10 minutes before he becomes a super mess. So I'm going to split and I will talk to you guys later, you know? That's such a great way of putting it. Because I think, I feel like I'm still chasing the golden moment every time <laughs> I go to the pub, you know? Right. Uh, but yeah, that's a brilliant way of putting it. And it, as soon as you have that self-awareness of like, well, things are going to go a bit downhill now. Then that's kind of a really good thing, right? And I try not to Irish goodbye everybody, you know, like you just split, you know, because I, I only did that really when I was drinking. <laughs> but um, I, uh, you know, I make sure that everybody's good. I make sure that everybody's, you know, okay, if anybody needs a ride home, I'm the, the, the first one to do it. Because uh, it's usually just me and my wife. My wife still drinks, but she's very social. She's way better at it than I was, you know. So um, usually right about the time she, you know, she's starting to kind of, She's just like, I'm tired. We need to split. And I'm like, all right, you had me it. I'm ready to go. So we're out the door and, and heading, for, heading for home, you know. It must be so nice to be able to drive all the time because, like, the logistics of late nights are the, usually the downer. That's what kind of kills the evening is, you know, trying to find a cab when it's pouring with rain or walking back to wherever, you know, your hotel is or stuff. So you, it must sort of be a huge sense of freedom as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the cool thing is knowing that you can be relied on to, to get everybody home safe, if that's the case, or just to, you know, that you'll be able to, to get yourself home. And if there's, you know, if, there, if there's other issues on the road, then you, could, you know how to avoid it. And it's just being cognizant and being aware and knowing that, you know, especially where I live, I live in Las Vegas, so it, it's messy 24 seven. So it's just like, you know, just trying to maneuver. It's almost like being in GTA real life, you know? So I try to, <laughs> I try to maintain a, a, a constant speed and a, a good direction. And yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. You know, I, I never, I never thought I would be okay with being sober. You know, I did it for, for personal reasons, for health reasons and whatnot, but I'm actually, other than a feeling of relaxation, there's really nothing I miss about the mess that I could become, you know? So it's, so it's good, you know? There's still sometimes where my brain feels like a fist that just won't let go, <laughs> but, you know, luckily, good company and, and like a, a really good night out can, can help you do that naturally. And I, I hate to sound like a hippie like that, but it's so true, you know? No, but that's great. And, and, and obviously you don't drink now and are the Slipknot tours now a lot more mellow than they were in terms of like what you do after the show? Like, I'd love to know the most unslipknot thing you guys all do. Like, do you watch Antiques Roadshow together when the masks are off or something like that? Well, not together. You know, we try to, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we stream it separately and then we come together. It's like, can you believe that thing was worth that much? You <laughs> <Yeah>. so. <laughs> Check out, did you see the lithographs? Oh my yeah. God, from 1600? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to create a pub with you now, Corey, which will be the venue of your great nights out and hopefully some golden moments. So my first question about this pub is... What influences on it are American and what are British? What's what's it going to look like? Ooh, you know, let's go. For me, the aesthetic, especially the indoor aesthetic, will have to be, and this is my my masculine inner hunter coming out. It's like dark woods, like good varnished oak, you know, like comfy booths because I hate, I hate, 
I hate tables that can be moved around. They're never sturdy. There's always like three or four matchbooks underneath them to keep the damn legs straight. Yes. So yeah, booths all around because you can sit, you can chat, all of your friends can get in and then stray chairs if anybody wants to join your booth. You know, like it's, you know, you can have a couple of tables kind of in the middle and whatnot. But I want booze for everybody. I want everybody to be comfortable and I want everybody to be able to kind of sit and kind of kick back and be able to make eye contact and have great conversation. Because for me, that's what a, a pub and, a, and a, a bar, especially if there's no band playing, that's what it's all about, man. It's about the conversations and catching up and doing this and doing that. That's what it's all about. So, so dark woods, booths, and for me, I've always wanted to have a club that is kind of dedicated to the bands that I grew up with. So that would mean not only punk and heavy metal, but you know, hard rock, hip hop, like street music. What I call like the, the stuff that I grew up with that you learned about on the street, man. Like you learned about that and you were just like, cause it wasn't popular, it was underground. So for me, I would just, I would just dress the room with like some of my old posters that I've had since I was young. I have this massive Sex Pistols uh, box set poster that I got from uh, a, a CD shop in Des Moines that I've had since 1994. And uh, it's one of my prized possessions. I actually framed it not too long ago and I've kept it with me. Um, I've got a lot of stuff that I, I had from when I was a kid. I just kept it with me. And so a lot of that stuff would go up plus donations from other people. So it would have a proper music vibe and that would reflect the aesthetic and and the music, the ambience. That's great. Because I was listening to your kind of solo album that came out two years ago, and the first thing you notice is there's this huge range of influences going on there. And, um, you know, there's a country kind of rock influence as well. Mm. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, like obviously hard hard rock and metal and even a bit of hip-hop in there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... For me, I knew that, you know, because I mean, and this is the first of many, I knew that if I was going to do a solo thing, it was going to reflect me. It wasn't going to be something that was put together by other people. It was going to be something that I did because it's personal. You know, when you do a solo album, it should feel like you. So and one of the things that I got blowback on was because it was so, you know, kind of varied. And there were so many different styles and ranges. And I was just like, like, what are you talking about? Like, that, that's the whole point of being a musician and doing a solo. I mean, you want to do the things that you've always wanted to do, you know? So I just, but it's me, man. I've constantly been like, fuck you. You don't get, tell me what the hell to do. And, I, and I've just gotten on with it, you know? And because of that, the initial blast settled down and then people gravitated towards it afterwards and it really started to pick up steam after that once people realize it's like oh it's not just a monotone you know dial tone that there's 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 a lot of stuff here and that's i guess that's what i'm most proud of is that you know people initially turned away because they weren't sure they they didn't they they, they weren't sure what to listen to and then they came back to it because they wanted to hear the whole thing you know, mm, that's great. So hopefully your pub will kind of reflect reflect those diverse influences as well. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hold up. 
As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week, and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com. So let's start kitting out the bar. And I think it's always interesting to create pubs with people who, who either don't drink or no longer drink or are quite moderated in their drinking because you get a different mix than you would usually get. So uh, you said you were never a big beer drinker. So first off, we got two draft options. What are you going for? Uh, well, the, the, the two that I really enjoyed back then, obviously Guinness. You've got to have Guinness on tap. And the, the Guinness on tap only really tastes good when you're on the island. So that that's the place to have it. So the, obviously my pub would be... On the island, so there you go. On the island of Ireland? No, on your island. It's a it's a it's a hot it's a hot potato, <laughs> which you're talking about. Yes. So on the British Isles. Let me let me bring it back. The, the when I started drinking Guinness was in Des Moines, and it was never on tap. It was always in the bottle. So when I finally got to the UK, and obviously I know Ireland is not part of the UK, but the best times it tasted to me was on tap in the UK and in Ireland. How about that? Yes. Yes. Here, here. So because we're in that whole region, what be it the EU or the UK, that's why I would have Guinness on tap because they're just, it just, it tastes better. It feels better. And it's just, oh, I could knock back probably a dozen pints of that. And then you'd find me in a cab somewhere just, you know, and then it's just kind of coming to like, what the hell just happened? So, <laughs> so yeah. So, so Guinness definitely. And then strangely enough, because I've had several of these on uh, a couple of pub crawls that I was actually a part of, it was basically just kind of chasing the, uh, 
the uh, the theme nights that they would have in some of the clubs, like the rock nights, the metal nights and whatnot. I would go to those with some of my friends and they were a fucking blast. Um, red stripes all around, just red stripes for everybody clinging tight to them and uh, just hanging out. And something about a red stripe that it's small enough that you can keep it in your hand. Uh, it's big enough that you can sip on it and you just feel great about it. And it's pretty much in like, it's mentioned in almost like every song in every genre that you can think of. So um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, that's a great, that's probably the, those are the two that I would have with me. Why is it? So I'm going to ask you both this because you're both musicians and you've done a lot of gigs all around the place, but why is, why is Red Stripe so associated with music venues? Is it a coincidence? I think I have a, a theory because it became very, very popular with the, the reggae crowd. And then that kind of transferred to the punk crowd because all the punks listened to reggae back in the 70s. So, and then that vicariously influenced two-tone and ska. And so I think it just became the, the drink of musicians because it kind of came out of that, you know, for whatever reason. And, and, I, and I don't even know if the reggae crowd drank it but it just became something that was so kind of infused and tied to those two crowds I, but that's all conjecture on my part I, I may be wrong it's a very convincing theory i have to say well it was brewed in it's, it originates from jamaica doesn't right, it so that's right where the, right yeah so but yeah for some reason it just became a staple like in nightclubs it's cans of red stripe or yeah i, I don't know i don't know it's, it is a mystery but it's just like, I guess it feels like quite a light beer. It doesn't, it's not too kind of heavy. And I don't know, maybe it's just good for a night out, you know? Yeah, but you get enough of those in you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the worst hangover I ever had was on Red Stripe. But, oh. you know, I, I blame myself, not Red Stripe for that. Okay, so we've got UK and Irish Guinness on draft. We've got Red Stripe. We also need bottles and cans. You get two bottles and or cans. Corey, what are you going for? Ooh, that's a damn good question. Uh, bottles of... I'd probably go with a uh, Bex. Bex, to me, because there was always that kind of contingency of like, what's better, Bex or Heineken, Rolling Rock, and like all this crap... But Bex had the edge because the bottles were bigger. Oh, we're talking about big bottles of Bex, are we? Oh, I yes, yeah. So yeah, it's interesting that you've gone for Red Stripe, which is the sort of the the drink of the music venue, and Bex, which is the drink of the dressing room. Yeah. For some reason, whenever there's like bottled beer provided in dressing rooms, whether it's a theatre or a comedy gig, they seem to go for Bex. I think it's because you get more, you get more value. You just, you know, it's the same price. You get bigger bottles, uh, especially if it's an act that they actually like having in their club. You know, like it's like, oh, we got to give them the big guys. You know, I mean, but hey, be lucky because in America you just get American beer. And this, really, I mean, you weren't a fan of American beer at all. No, really. Christ, it's like drinking your own piss. It's garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's come on a long way since the kind of, you know, the Bud, just Budweiser and stuff. But yeah, 
Well, now you're not partying unless you're White Claw wasted. So I guess White Claw is the Zima of the 20s, you know? <laughs> God, yeah. Knows? I don't, what, what is White Claw? I've never, I see it in memes, but I have no idea what it is. <laughs> White Claw is pretentious bullshit is what it is. I have no idea. And and I've actually, I've watched some of my friends drink it. I kind of side-eye them hardcore. I'm just like... <laughs> I'm such a judgy dick, though. <laughs> I'm going to look up White Claw. In my, oh, it's one of those, Rob, it's one of those, like, hard seltzers. Yeah, that's oh, it. Oh, right. So it's, yeah. it's basically like sparkling water with flavoring and alcohol. <laughs> oh, right. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it's a slightly stronger LaCroix, okay. basically, or LaCroix. It's an alco pop for the TikTok generation. <laughs> Corey, you're, you're kicking out the bar with, so far it's all been alcohol choices. Is there anything for, for you or are you going to be on the water? Uh, well, you know, I mean, that, I, listen, I'll never turn down a good bottle of water. Hydrate. That's why I still look like this, you know, keeps all the crap out of my face. Your skin is incredible. I, you know what? And I appreciate that. Thank you so much. My wife will love that because she's the one that's been on me. It's just like. It's It's outrageous. Yeah. Mm. I, don't, I don't look like I'm almost 50, do I? No, no way are you God, almost no 50. You look, you look younger than me. I'm, I'll be 49 this year. Christ, I've got to stop drinking. And I'll be 50 next year, dude. Like, for real. Yeah. Maybe yeah. the mar- do the masks have exfoliating properties as well? Maybe that could be... Well, a- mine does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, put cam- I put camphor and velvet inside mine now, so it's just slowly but surely... <laughs> But it must create like a little sauna for the face. So it's almost like the sweat must kind of cleanse your skin. No, it's gross, dude. <laughs> like we, I take it off and I look like I've stuck my head in a septic tank. It's pretty brutal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, uh, you have one more bottle and or can uh, before we move on to the pub quiz this week. Uh, so, so far you've got Beck's, Red Stripe and Guinness. Yeah. So for me, I'd probably go with, um, oh, I got to do Iron Brew. Nice. I mean, I have something for me, man. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. I get the bubble gum down me, you know? <laughs> it's so hard to explain what Iron Brew tastes like, isn't it? To some, it is. so, to someone who's never tried it, how would you describe it? I did, you know, and it's weird because I tried explaining it to my son the first time he came over to the UK with me. Um, and this was years ago. And he was a big soda guy. And I've never really been a big soda guy. I go for the weird sodas. Like, I go for, like, Iron Brew, Dr. Pepper. Like, because you just can't describe what the hell it is. But it just doesn't doesn't taste like, you know, regular crap. And I was I was trying to describe to him. I was just like, okay. I was like, okay. You know the medicine that dad gives you when you're snotty and you, you blah, 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 blah. And he's, he's like, yeah. He's like, okay, I'll take that. Add a shit ton of sugar, and then dissolve some big league chew in it, and stick it in a bottle with some bicarbonated soda. You shake it up, and that's Iron Brew for you. And I, to my shock, he didn't want to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the few things that it is its own flavor. So you would say this is an Iron Brew flavored like uh, sweet or ice cream or whatever. You couldn't describe it any other way than with its own name. Mm. I mean, the closest thing I can even think of is like orange sickle. You know, the orange sickle, like the cream, orange cream sickles. That's the closest. But even then, that doesn't, it's not really, you know, it's weird because I've had orange cream sickle sodas and I'm like, 
you know, I thought this would taste more like Iron Brew, but I guess not. So again, the mystery, you know, eludes I us. I wonder if you put if you put a Barocca in a cream soda, that <laughs> might get you somewhere. Yeah, that is so spot on. That would be yeah. I think that would be probably it. Yeah. Well, uh, superb selection so far from Slipknot's Corey Taylor. We've got Guinness, Red Stripe, Bex and Iron Brew in a pub full of golden moments with its dark woods and its varnished oaks, its fixed tables, which is crucial because we're avoiding all the beer mats under the uh, wobbly leg syndrome. And also the booths are there to inspire great conversation and it's dedicated to the band's Corey grew up with, including, but not limited to, the Sex Pistols. I'm personally hoping for a little uh, a little Queen section, maybe that I can donate some Queen paraphernalia, maybe a little poster of Frank Zappa on the toilet, in the toilet. Oh, I have a great handbill from when he played San Francisco <gasps> way back, I want to say it was the mid-70s, <gasps> and I bought it, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm a massive Zappa fan, like have been since I was yes. a kid. Oh, yeah, yeah, so when I, I, I saw that, I immediately grabbed it, and it was just like, oh, this is fucking brilliant, yeah, so it's up with all, like, all my, uh, it will definitely be in, in the pub, I promise you that. Oh, I've just got the, um, Hot Rat Sessions box set. It's nine and a half hours, and I think it might be the best recording of music ever made. I haven't heard it yet. I haven't found it yet. It's insane. I have all the uh, I have all the the Zappa Halloween box sets with all the masks. Oh yeah, the, the live shows. Yeah. Oh, it's dude. It's brilliant. It's so good. And I buy two because I'm a proper collector. I buy one to keep in the package, and I buy one that I open up and I run around with the mask on all over my house. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. <laughs> well, you should tell my wife that because she doesn't think it's very cool. So, yeah. <laughs> no, she actually, she's she's good at like encouraging me to like get all that stuff. She's just like, God, dude, you love that stuff. Get it. And I'm like, I mean, I chase off and I grab it. So Also, you've done five tours in like the last couple of years. So you've got to spend the money on something. <laughs> Did, yeah, and I can only buy so many chairs after this point, man. I mean, there's just so much you can do to make your house look better. I mean, come on, who needs that? Uh, Well, now we head over to the Moon Underwater pub quiz with the lovely Robin Allender. Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. Played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger. That wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Yes, and it's Metal Night at the Moon Underwater because this week's quiz is about subgenres of heavy metal. In each question, I will list three subgenres, two of which are real. And one of which is made up, and you simply have to tell me which one I invented. Does that make sense? So far. <laughs> How do you think you'll do? Do you think you do you think you've kind of got an encyclopedic knowledge of metal, or is metal just one of the many genres you kind of listen to? Do you think? Yes and no, because I just look at everything as fucking heavy metal. You know, like I'm not trying to chop it up. I mean, it's. I, I mean, listen. I will do my best, but. I look any of your thing, any of the options that you give me could sound palatable. Let's put it that way. Like, I, I'm yeah. just, we'll just see what happens here. 
That was the problem I had when I compiled the quiz, as, as you'll see. So anyway, we'll, we'll, I'll do the questions now, and then we'll do the answers in part two. So, so question one, three subgenres of metal. Unblack metal, medieval metal, and precious metal. Which is the one I made, I made up there? Unblack metal, medieval metal, and precious metal. Okay, question two. Viking metal, thronecore, music inspired by Game of Thrones, and pirate metal. So Viking metal, thronecore, and pirate metal. And question three, the last question is ambient death grind, death and roll, and blackened crust. So ambient death grind, death and roll, and blackened crust. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can you repeat that last one for me? Because it's just so... There's a lot of syllables in there, and I'm not sure. Yeah, sure. Okay, the first one... So it's ambient death grind, death and roll, as in rock and roll, but with death right, instead of rock, right, right. and blackened crust. Superb quiz from the lovely Robin there, and Corey looks to the heavens for inspiration for his answers. But we will have to leave you on those metallic tenterhooks uh, before revealing the answers. Folks, if you would like to help support this podcast, head over to moonunderpod.com and click on the link to the Patreon where you can get uh, many benefits, including a bonus uh, monthly podcast behind the cellar door. Uh, also, advance warning and access to live tickets. Uh, so, for example, like the things we did up in Edinburgh and the run we did in London. So head along, chip in, keep this old girl going. But we will see you back for part two very shortly with Corey Taylor. Thousands of people listen to The Moon Underwater every week and we can help deliver your brand message to targeted audiences. So if you're to be part of The Moon Underwater and connect with engaged audio listeners, get in touch. Just email sales at audioalways.com and find out more about how podcast advertising and sponsorship could work for you. That's sales at audioalways.com.